Welcome to Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care is a program of the Avoiding Drugs as Chemical Restraints Consumer Education Campaign, a partnership of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care and AARP Foundation. Join us as we talk with national experts and advocates about strategies you can use in the pursuit of quality long-term care. In this discussion with Eden Ruiz Lopez of the National Center on Elder Abuse and Lori Smetanka of Consumer Voice, we'll talk about how every resident is entitled to quality individualized care. We'll discuss putting a stop to poor care and how to advocate for the quality care that is guaranteed to all residents under a federal and state law. Hi, I'm Lori Smetanka with the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care, and welcome to today's episode of Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. Every resident is entitled to quality long-term individualized care. Every resident living in a nursing home, assisted living facility, um, is entitled to quality care. Um, but what does quality care look like? That's something that, unfortunately, not everyone knows and understands. Um, what are the signs of poor care, what are the warning signs, what are the red flags that you should be looking for if you're getting care in a facility and you have concerns, and then what can you do when you see them. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, um, signs for quality care, warning signs that something may be amiss, and red flags that you can, that should raise some concerns with you. Um, so our special guest today is Eden Ruiz Lopez. She is the Assistant Deputy Director at the National Center on Elder Abuse. She she provides leadership and direction for day-to-day -day project operations and administrative activities. Eden participates in many elder abuse education sessions, contributes to the planning, design, and development, and implementation of the center's objectives, procedures, processes, and standards. And within the last year, Eden has devoted time to complete training and certification for her local long-term care ombudsman program and is working as a volunteer ombudsman, aren't you, Eden? Yep. So um, the Consumer Voice is a partner with the National Center on Elder Abuse, and we regularly work jointly to raise awareness about elder abuse prevention and on promoting quality for individuals receiving long-term care and services. And so we are really glad to have Eden joining us today. So welcome, Eden. We're glad to have you. Thank you, Lori. We really appreciate having this opportunity to be here today. Um, I'm Eden once again, and the National Center on Elder Abuse is located in Los Angeles County, California, and we're connected to the Keck School of Medicine of the University of Southern California. And just to give you a little bit of information, really the audience about what we do, we yeah. serve as an information clearinghouse and a go-to source of reliable education and research. We also provide information about policy updates on a national level, best practices, and we provide a lot of information and referral services. So we're really grateful for our partnership with the National Consumer Voice and the National Long-Term Care Ombudsman Resource Center, and actually both received the same set of funding from the administration for community living to undertake our work. That's and at the NCEA, I'd have to say that we really scratch the surface on many topics relating to elder abuse. We don't necessarily take a deep dive into areas that other resource centers devote their time and efforts to addressing. So that's why these partnerships are so important. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I look forward to talking about the Put a Stop to uh, Poor Care brochure and, and asking some questions. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, as Eden referenced, we've been partnering on issues for a while. We've been working together for a number of years now, and we've done several resources together for consumers and their families, including one that we're going to be talking about today called Put a Stop to Poor Care. And um, you'll be getting links to those um, in the chat features for those of you who are listening live. And um, the link to the brochure is available on the Consumer Voice website at www.theconsumervoice.org. And it's also available through the NCEA website. Isn't that right, Eden? It is. And can you give folks the web address for the National Center on Elder Abuse website? Sure, so that's HTTPS colon backslash twice, Great. So we're going to talk about, um, about the Put a Stop to Poor Care brochure, which is one that we've worked together that provides tips on what quality care should look like, um, noticing warning signs and red flags. Um, so um, Eden, do you want to just give a little overview and get us started? Sure. So just to reiterate what the poor, put a stop to poor care brochure was about, we started this collaboration back in 2015 specifically on this resource. And as you had mentioned, it really does help us have more productive conversations about how to uphold quality care and provide guidance on choice and self-determination. Great warning signs. I love the color coding of the brochure as well. Really helps identify like signs of quality care. And then of course those red flags to look out for in addition to those advocacy tips that we all rely on and mm -hmm. of course where to turn to for help. So um, absolutely need those guidelines during these trying times. So for sure. And when we were thinking about this, as we were developing it, um, we were thinking of kind of a stop sign or a stoplight, you know, and so that kind of led us into the, um, the different colorings here. So, yeah. So I think Eden's going to um, maybe do some questions and, um, and we'll just have conversation throughout the rest of our time together. That sounds perfect. Let's dive okay. right in. Yeah. So my first question to you, Lori, is when we say that residents are entitled to quality care, can you explain for us what that means? Absolutely. So um, people um, that live in nursing homes and long-term care facilities are entitled to quality care. And what that means is that they're entitled to care that helps them attain or maintain their highest practicable levels of well-being, both physical well-being, mental and psychosocial well-being. Um, people that live in nursing homes are guaranteed that right under the federal nursing home reform law. And it really it means that if you go into a long-term care facility, and are able to do certain things for yourself, you should continue to be able to do those things. That you shouldn't decline just because you go into a facility. Um, and, and that's something that I know a lot of people have been worried about. But if you are able to walk when you go in, or you're continent, or able to feed yourself, or able to do different things, unless you have a clinical condition that causes your decline, you should continue to be able to do those different things. Um, and the care that you get should also be person-centered. And what that means is that it should be focused on what your needs are, what your wants and preferences are, and also the goals that you set for yourself. Many people go into long-term care facilities for rehabilitation, for example, to help them regain mobility or to help them um, regain some skill that they may have lost due to some event or an accident or, or something like that. And so um, the care that you get should help you maintain the, the level of 
of skills that you have, as well as be person-centered. That's what quality care means. Thank you, Lori. Great synopsis. Mm -hmm. So in reflecting on the existing rights, uh, what rights do nursing home residents have? Mm -hmm. So um, residents have not only the right to quality care, but to get the care and services that they need, the person-centered care, as I mentioned before, but also individuals have rights to be treated with dignity and respect, to be involved in the development and implementation of their plan of care, meaning that they should direct what the care is that they receive and how they receive it. They should be directing what their schedules look like during the day and who they interact with and whether they participate in activities or not in their community and what they, that looks like. So people should really be able to direct the care that they get. And, um, and so that's a really important feature because for so long, um, long-term care facilities were places where people were just told what to do. They had to get up at a certain time and eat at a certain time and, um, and to go to bed at a certain time, but that's not the way it should be in a long-term care facility. You should be able to maintain your own schedule. Um, you should be able to, as I said earlier, set goals for yourself and have the facility staff help you achieve those goals. Absolutely. So are there any ways to tell or are there any signs within a facility of quality care? Absolutely. One of the things that we like to tell people who are going into a nursing home is to use all of your senses when you walk in to kind of look to kind of get a sense of what's going on there. So as you're looking around um, the long term care facility, is it clean? Is it clutter free? Are, what's the engagement look like between the staff and the residents um, with the residents and others? Like what what's everybody doing? Are they um, engaged in activities and are the staff actually providing the care and what do the residents look like do are they well groomed and are they appropriately dressed for the time of day for example um, so look at what's happening around you um, also when you think about um, your different senses think about smell so is it is the smell in the facility fresh? Is it odor free? Um, are, is there food cooking and, and does it smell appetizing? Listen for um, uh, calls for assistance? Are they being responded to quickly? And um, are they being responded to kindly? Or are the interactions between the staff and the residents and between the residents themselves kind and respectful? Um, those are some of the things you should be looking for. Um, but other ways that you can tell uh, quality care in a facility is um, that the residents are maintaining the skills that they have, that they are getting the care to help them achieve those highest levels of well-being, whether it be physical, mental, or psychosocial, that they're being engaged in different activities and even in operations that are happening um, in the facility, um, they're being encouraged to direct their own care. Um, I think that that's really important and to make choices that are meaningful to them. Um, and also, you know, as you look around um, what's happening in the facility, um, one of the indicators of quality is staff, the number of staff that are on hand and, um, and th that are there working with residents every day to ensure they get the care that they need. Thank you. And just to point out, based on my own experience with um, ombudsman work, and I remember when I was shadowing, just I think it's very helpful, even if you are going for a visit, just to have a notebook handy and just utilize your senses and really pick up on just things that might be awry in your surroundings and pay attention to things like 
call lights and so forth, but I know you're going to be getting into that a little bit um, as we advance in our discussion. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, those are really important points, um, particularly the taking a notebook in, because that is one of the things that, you know, we do encourage people to do when they're in a facility is to, you know, kind of take notes on what you're seeing, particularly if you're there, you know, visiting your loved one and you may have some concerns about what's happening or, um, you know, to kind of document what you're seeing so that as you're talking to either an ombudsman or to the administrator that you can reflect what actually happened and share the facts with them about what you've observed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So my next question for you is what are the warning signs of poor care that families or residents should be on the lookout for? Mm -hmm. Um, one of the warning signs is if their facility appears to be short-staffed. Um, that's something that is, um, has been problematic in a number of um, nursing homes across the country. And um, as I mentioned, the availability of staff to provide care is one of the biggest indicators of quality in a facility. And one thing people should know is that the nursing homes are required to post the staffing levels um, on each shift. In the, in the nursing home. So um, if you don't see it, like either around a nurse's station or at some place that's visible in the nursing home, ask, where is it? Where, what is, or ask what the staffing levels are like that day. How many um, nurses' aides are available to provide care and how many nurses are available. So that's something that's really important. Um, not just short staffing, but if you're seeing a lot of turnover of staff, that's something that should make you um, just, you know, make you kind of go like what's going on here. Um, so if you're seeing a lot of turnover, um, that may be an indication that something's brewing or that there might be something going on at the facility. So we like to see stable staff. We like to see consistent staff being assigned to um, um, to the same wings or floors or the same residents so that they all get to know each other. And um, when you know the person that you're caring for, you're much better able to not only anticipate needs, but um, to um, recognize whether there are changes in condition or decline. So it's really important to have consistent staff um, on hand. If you've been going and you start seeing changes in the quality or availability of services or food or supplies, those are things that should start, you know, raising concerns for you. If the food is declining, why is that? I mean, it might be as something as simple as there's a new cook who needs to maybe learn how to you know, make food better. But if the quality of the food is declining, um, it's not being prepared properly, not as much food is available, that should raise concerns for you. Um, or if the services that you're used to receiving, you're not getting, um, that's, that's certainly a problem. Um, and also if the residents are not appearing active or engaged, um, if concerns are not being resolved, um, then those are some issues as well that, you know, should raise some red flags from you. And again, use your Senses. Um, I know that um, we're in a challenging time right now where families have not been able to go into facilities um, to see their loved ones over the last several months because of COVID. But still, you know, as you're talking to your loved one, look at their appearance. If you're able to do video chats with them um, or if you're on the phone with them, be listening to what's happening, ask questions about, you know, what they're days like or um, how conditions are in the facility, what's the food like, are you eating enough, um, things like that. So you can be asking questions that might help give you some indication of what's, um, what's going on in that facility. 
Thank you, Lori. And I know you highlighted a good blend of some warning signs and red flags. So, and some great tips for family members who are going in. Is there anything else on an extreme level that people should be looking out for that should really give them pause? So, um, you know, I think um, that as we're looking at, you know, red flags, um, if you are seeing some real changes in either behavior or if you're seeing some new, if you're seeing new, um, new ex exhibiting of distress in a, in, in a, uh, among your loved one or even other residents or even dramatic physical changes, like those are some of the red flags that we, we would be talking about that, you know, they should really make you think like, if this isn't just a warning sign, there's a real problem here that needs to be addressed. Um, unexplained injuries, for example, or as I mentioned, like dramatic physical changes, a, a sudden decline in mobility or, um, uh, weight loss um, or suddenly your loved one who has normally you know been engaged or talking or alert suddenly isn't anymore they're withdrawn or they seem sedated or they're sleeping all of the time the things like that um, make should make you really ask questions about what exactly is going on here um, and uh, and look for help in those particular situations. There are some concerns with um, with restraints, whether they be physical um, restraints or chemical restraints where people might um, be given um, antipsychotic drugs, for example, um, to sedate them or change or alter their behavior if they're not behaving in a way that the staff want them to. Or um, if you are, if you're seeing that um, your loved one is not being physically taken care of, they're not being bathed or showered, or maybe you're, again, with the weight loss, you're, you have concerns about um, whether or not they're eating appropriately um, or getting the help they need um, to eat, that that is certainly a concern. Or if you're also seeing, again, um, unexplained injuries or missing or personal items, or if money is going missing, if funds are going missing, those things should raise red flags for you. And you should not only raise questions immediately, but also ask for help immediately. So along the lines of asking for help and being advocates for residents in long-term care settings, mm -hmm. do you have any uh, insight into how families can get involved and advocate in those situations to ensure that there's improvements being made? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, certainly one of the things that we had talked about before when you mentioned um, taking a notebook in and, you know, just making some observations, I think it's important, again, to be documenting what you're seeing so that you, you can very clearly relate what it is that you are seeing if you're talking to the administrator or an ombudsman or filing a complaint if that's necessary, um, then I think that you should definitely be, um, be documenting what it is that you're seeing. When were you in, when were you there? What was the time or at what point were you talking to your loved one and, and document the facts of what you're seeing. Um, but also concerns should be raised with with the administration. So there, every facility needs to have a grievance process. Um, you can file a grievance with the administrator or with the designated person in the nursing home and um, they are required to respond to you. They are required to look into your grievance, uh, into the grievance of the resident um, or their representative and to respond to you with what they found um, and what they're going to do to address the grievance that you raised. So that's something that you need to 
um, know um, as well. Work with the resident and family councils. Um, most facilities have resident councils in place, so if you are a resident, um, look to get engaged with that. Um, but if you're a family member, look to get engaged with other family members. Um, many facilities have family councils. They are supposed to be independently run by the family members and the resident councils independently run by the residents um, with just some support from the staff. Um, but by working together, you can see like are other people having similar concerns or problems that you are and then work together to address the issue with the administration. Um, sometimes we know that people have been very reluctant to raise problems that they're experiencing because they're worried about retaliation. And by working with the resident um, or family council, that has been one way to um, be able to work with others to provide a little bit of cover for yourself um, and ensure that the issue is still being raised. Um, but also in addition to the councils, um, work with your long-term care ombudsman program. Um, ombudsmen are advocates for residents and they exist in every community in the country and um, there are both paid staff and volunteers as Eden is volunteering in her community as an ombudsman um, and you can find the ombudsman in your community on our website at www.theconsumervoice.org and we have a help, get help button there and you can find the ombudsman program um, in your community that can help you. But then if you have real concerns, um, you can file a complaint with the Ombudsman program and they will investigate and help you work through getting an answer. Um, but you also can file complaints with the state licensing agency. They survey the facilities and they can um, determine whether or not they're meeting care standards um, and uh, require changes to be made if um, the facility is not meeting standards or if a resident has been harmed. And if you have real concerns about um, abuse, neglect, exploitation, um, in addition, you, you should be taking those very seriously, obviously, right away filing complaints. Again, you can file with the Ombudsman or the State Survey Agency, but you can also file um, complaints with Adult Protective Services if they um, go into nursing homes in your state. Sometimes they're the ones who are investigating abuse. Um, if you have concerns about, um, about fraud or poor care, you can also um, call your state's Attorney General's office, your Medicaid Fraud Control Unit. Um, so those are some of the resources where you can go to get help. Um, but if you have real concerns about abuse, about serious neglect, uh, about those different issues, don't wait. Call and get help right away. Thank you, Lori. So you briefly went into my, my next question. Um, I didn't know if you had any more insight to give to families or residents about how addressing their concerns within facility, like what really works mm -hmm. and what you've seen just based on, you know, different situations, a wide variety of situations being brought to your attention. Yeah, I mean, I think um, raising the concerns that you have, um, certainly if they're related to rights issues or care issues, it really is important to address them with the facilities. And if if you are um, concerned about those things, about care issues or decline that um, you were um, your family member is experiencing, um, ask for a review of the care plan. Um, that's really important because the care plan is what is supposed to be followed to ensure that the resident is receiving the services and um, it's it's tells what the staff are supposed to be doing for the resident in order to help them 
attain or maintain their highest level of well-being. So that's one of those things that um, if there are concerns about what's happening with the individual that you should be asking for a, rev a review of that, you don't have to wait until the next scheduled time. If you have concerns, you can ask for another meeting and have it reviewed. Um, but you know, by looking at what's in the care plan, making revisions to it, that sometimes can fix the issue. But if you need additional help, um, the ombudsman is a great resource to provide some additional assistance and help you work through what possible solutions might be available. Wonderful. And my final question to you is if you have any suggestions to families on how to stay involved, especially now during COVID-19, visiting facilities isn't mm -hmm. usually an option. I know some are providing opportunities to use like iPads and so forth. So right. what suggestions do you have? Yeah, I know that's been a real challenge for a lot of facilities. And while we are starting to see in some places some opportunities for visitation to begin opening up again, which is great. We're seeing people being able to do some visits outdoors because it's nice weather in a lot of places. Um, and we know that people have been doing window visits, for example. Um, it's still not enough. And we are working really hard um, advocating with uh, with the states, with our um, advocate partners in the states and at the federal level to um, try to get better policies around visitation right now so that families can get back in. But it is important to to try to stay engaged. And so some of the ways you can do that um, if you're um, virtually um, able to talk to your loved one either by phone or by video chat. Um, uh, ask questions again about um, how they're doing, what their day is like, how are they spending their time um, during the day, ask about the staff that are providing care to them. Um, who's, who's your staff person today? Who's your aide today that's providing care? And, you know, kind of pay attention. Are you hearing different names all the time? Or um, is there any consistency um, going on there? Um, ask the staff, even if your loved one doesn't have a um, a device or an iPad um, available themselves. Um, if, if there's one in the facility, um, ask the staff to help them use it so that you can talk or engage with them. And I would say even, you know, one of the challenges we've been hearing from families is um, they're saying, you know, some of their loved ones who may not um, be able to verbally communicate or understand really how to use the iPad or because of some a condition um, like dementia, it's difficult for them to do that. Still ask the staff to activate a video conference for you with them so that you could put eyes on them. You could see what they look like. Um, you could see are they well groomed and are they appropriately dressed and you could see are they clean. You could see if they've lost weight. Um, those are things that are important for you, you know, to be um, looking at. And um, if if that is not available in the facility, at the very least, they need to make a phone available um, so that you can try to talk with um, your loved one. But then ask staff too, what's going on with, um, with your loved one, um, particularly if you're not able to talk to them and have them tell you themselves how they're doing or what's going on. Talk to the staff, make a time where you're getting updates from the staff person and ask them the questions that you would have been asking your loved one. Um, how are they eating? 
eating? Who's helping them eat if they need help? How are they spending their day? Um, when were they last showered or when did they last have a bath? Um, ask specific questions about what's going on during the day. Have there been changes in medications that they're taking, um, for example, or when were they last out of bed? Or, um, you know, there are a lot of questions that you can be asking that can give you some sense of what's going on in the facility. and. Um, Again, if you have concerns about what's going on or are not getting the information that you need, contact your ombudsman program and they can help you um, make you, they can help connect you um, and get you some of that information. Thank you, Lori. And just to add to that, I would say to ask those series of questions to really anyone that you could get on the phone and just being a continuous advocate and getting the answers that you need just to make sure that your loved one, the resident is, um, doing well and receiving quality care. It's just, it's so important. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's important absolutely to stay engaged. Um, one thing I will say, and I noticed, um, you know, somebody is raising the question about staff not always giving the information. I mean, they do have to share information with the resident or the resident's representatives um, and, you know, next of kin. So there should be a designated person that the facility is communicating with. Um, that is connected to the resident in some way. So um, I know that there has been pushback sometimes if there's a large family and multiple either um, children or siblings or, you know, whomever are calling and they're frustrated because they're not all getting information. But there should be a, designa a designated person who um, is uh, the person that the facility can talk with, who's the one that they should be calling if there are changes in condition, for example, or if there are concerns, that person should always be able to get information about what's going on. Um, with the resident as long as the resident has given permission for that to happen. Um, and if they can't give permission, then the person is their legal representative, then they absolutely have the right to that information. So it is important to be asking questions and staying engaged. Um, so I think, um, and Eden, anything else you want to share based on even your experience or anything else that we've been talking about? I know we are getting close to the, the half an hour mark. So yeah, I just want to be respectful of everyone's time. And there are some comments that are trickling in through the chat box that we didn't unfortunately have a, a opportunity to address all of them. So we can certainly follow up mm -hmm. by other means. So yeah, I, I just appreciate the time. It was really a pleasure to sit and talk with you about the putting stop to poor care brochure and just the, the wonderful work. So thank you. Well, we appreciate your partnerships on this. And um, again, could you give the National Center on Elder Abuses web address so that people could go and look at the information that you have available? Sure, I'd love to. So it's ncea.acl.gov and our telephone number is 855-500-3537 if you'd like to get more information and resources in your area. Absolutely. And you can get not only the Put a Stop to Poor Care brochure on the Consumer Voices website also at www.theconsumervoice.org, but that's also a place where you could click on a link to get more information about how to find an ombudsman program in your area where um, you can get help and information should you need it, but also you can find more information there about other places where you could file complaints should you need to do that, like your state survey agency um, or other resources in your state. So you can go on and get that information. But um, 
we encourage you to be staying engaged and informed about what's going on um, in either your facility or in your loved one's facility. And um, you can, again, get more information on our website. So with that, we're going to close for our episode for today. And again, thanks to Eden Ruiz Lopez, who has joined us. And we're so glad to um, have you working with us and be part of our partnership. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. Thanks for joining us on Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. Make sure to visit our website, theconsumervoice.org slash pursuingquality, where you can subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and find more information about the campaign. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.